Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Hope everyone is doing well on this Tuesday evening. There's been a lot of news over the last couple of days. We've sort of been bombarded with a couple big stories and a lot of issues with our government and investigator general reports and we had some Afghan papers come out, some papers on the war in Afghanistan, and all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot to talk about this week. I doubt I will be able to get to all of it today. I am back in the Windy City, and boy, is it windy. It is cold, it is miserable, and the wind chill is in the single digits. So I was in Arizona in Scottsdale over the weekend for some golf lessons and a little trip with my old man. Got a lot of golf in. And I got a ton of golf in. I golfed all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And when I when I say all day, I started at um about eight forty five in the morning and finished around five o'clock both days. So I am actually pretty sore. But my golf game got a lot better. Golf game is a lot better. The weather was about what you expect with the Profita luck. You know, you go out to Arizona, you're hoping it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny while you play golf. And for the most part, it was in the 60s, low 60s, high 50s, overcast. It rained pretty much on and off all day Sunday. So that was... Not ideal, but it wasn't too bad. It was still better than being here in Chicago, but not exactly what I was looking for by going to the desert. But anyway, it sucks to be back as usual. I don't know why I am still in this city, in this state, even in the Midwest. I am I am sick of these winters, and we are just getting started here, ladies and gentlemen. So buckle up. And that's enough about me. What's going on in the news? So today I wanted to talk about the UPS hostage situation that took place Thursday. I think it was Thursday evening rush hour. I did an episode Friday. I didn't have time to get into it then, but I've had a lot of time to think about it over the last couple of days. There's been a lot of um, memes going around about it and a lot of you know commentary and stories, things like that. So I wanted to deal with that issue today, and if we have time, I will try to get into some of the IG report that came out yesterday, and FISA courts, and the um, 
and the Afghanistan papers that came out over the weekend as well. There's a lot to talk about there. I'll probably break it up into two episodes because what I want to focus on today is policing and how we police ourselves in this so-called civilized society. For those of you who have been living under a rock for the last three days, there was a, a hostage situation on the highway in Miami during rush hour on Thursday night. There were two armed assailants, I guess you could call them, who tried to rob a jewelry store. And the owner of the jewelry store was armed, as I understand it, and they they exchanged shots there. Somebody was injured. I don't know. I never heard if he was injured. Um, one of the employees, I believe it was, if he was injured um, from the gunfire or something else. But the two robbers fled the scene and hijacked a UPS truck, most likely because it was just right outside, and they took the driver hostage. They had him on his knees, hands behind his head, in the middle of the truck, right, in between the, the two front seats or something like that. And the, the police proceed to pursue them in a high-speed chase onto the expressway, and it, it's rush hour, so at, at a certain point, the truck basically gets stopped by the traffic. I, I know I saw one, one pickup truck sort of pulled in front of it and stopped, so it had nowhere to go. And this was probably the biggest mistake that the, the, the police made here, which is they cornered these two guys who have already demonstrated a more than willingness to use their firearms. And it was unclear to me who started shooting first. I don't know if we've gotten any more information on that over the last couple of days. I've been somewhat unplugged. But it really, for for our purposes, doesn't really matter. But basically you had 40 cops descend on this vehicle, basically surround it, and just erupt with gunfire. And there are civilians all over the place. They're, the cops are taking cover behind civilian cars. There's, I mean, there's cars in front of it. There's cars to the left. There's cars to the right. There's cars behind it. And then there's these cops that are just swooping in from all angles and shooting like a bunch of maniacs. These guys are firing back. And the, the cops end up killing the, the two robbers, the UPS hostage, and one other civilian. And, I mean... With all the civilians around at the time uh, and the fact that the cops were taking cover behind people's vehicles and you have like 40 cops all shooting at once from different angles, they're lucky that only two innocent people died here. I mean, this could have been a complete massacre. I mean, this is just a huge, colossal failure of our police department. They, I don't think they could have handled it any worse. And I don't care you know, who you are, what kind of cop you are. I, I don't think anyone is ever properly prepared for that type of situation. It, it, it's about as close to a war zone as you could get without actually going to one of our several uh, war zones that we're maintaining in the Middle East. But we, we just ask these cops to do too much, and they're all poorly trained, and they're over-equipped. They have a ton of firepower, and these guys think they're, you know, some badass wannabe soldier 
who who has a lot of firepower, has very little training, and I don't know what I honestly don't know what they were thinking, because there are like five or six other ways you could have handled this situation, where you don't corner these guys, force them to make a choice where like I can either go peacefully or I could try to shoot my way out of this. I mean, you could you could back off and let helicopters survey them um, until you can try to take them when there's less people around. But just opening fire with a hostage inside the truck, it's unbelievable to me that 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 was their approach, that that's what they did. And the media's reaction to this, the media's reaction to this shootout was just like, uh, you know, it's water off a duck's back. <laughs> it was like, well, you know, shit happens, and that's the breaks. No big deal. And, and I, I was just watching the reporting on this on Friday, and it was just like, wow, <laughs> really? That's the reaction that we have now to these types of events? When the armed force of jackbooted thugs just opens fire on innocent people? <laughs> In a hostage situation, like it's some movie, we just throw our arms up. Well, there's nothing they could do. They just had to start shooting. Things happen. Oh, well. That can't be the reaction that we have to this. It certainly doesn't match up with the reaction I see from the American people. Uh, most people are outraged at this. I, I know there's a certain segment of the population that will defend police no matter what they do. But there's a ton of people who are rightfully outraged that this took place. I just couldn't believe that the media was so flippant about it. Oh, well. You know. And it's all on tape. It's like, oh, they're, they're shooting everybody. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, they're dead. Uh, uh, okay. We, we better cut to something else. That's the reaction that we're going to have now to these types of events? Where police just indiscriminately just start firing on on innocent people, or on, on two criminals, innocent people be damned, hiding behind uh, your families in their cars, taking cover from fire. We're just going to shrug that off as if it's no big deal. It, it really is unbelievable. And it just brings up all of these questions that a lot of libertarians have been dealing with over the years, which is how to police society in general, because... For the most part, libertarians are against uh, government-funded police force, government monopoly uh, on um, policing and defense and things like that. And if you really just sit back and think about it, I know it seems like it's um, it's commonplace and, and um, you're used to it because this is the way it's always been. But we literally have an armed force traveling amongst the population whose sole purpose is to prowl around and look for you to do something wrong and, and to punish you with either fines or jail time if you're lucky. Um, and it's usually something arbitrary like you're driving too fast or crossing the street outside some painted lines or you parked in the wrong zone or you parked too long. And most of the time, they're punishing you for victimless crimes. You didn't actually hurt anybody or anything, but, you know, you might have. So here's a ticket, and here's your court date, 
or, or put your hands behind your back, you're going to prison. That's if you, you're lucky and they don't choke you out or, they, or shoot you or shoot your dog first. You know, I, the best case scenario, I guess, is that you get a fine. I suppose at this point we should be grateful <laughs> that all we get is a ticket now. At, at least you escaped without a beating. At least you got out of there with your life. You know, it's basically like we're just being robbed at this point. I remember when I was younger, you know, 17, 18, something like that. I, you know, of course, I was young. I was in shape, strong, stupid. And, you know, I thought I was God's gift to humanity. And I've always had a bit of a temper, (laughs) for those of you who don't know me. And sort of that classic Spartan attitude where... I like somebody will challenge me to something and I'm, I'll just be like, you know, what? go ahead, come and take it kind of thing. Right. And I was going out somewhere. I don't remember exactly where, but you know, I was starting to stay out later. I was getting older and getting into the typical shenanigans that a 17 year old guy would do. And I might've been going, I was probably going into the city and it could have been right around the time a couple, I mean, this is Chicago, so it's, not the safest place. There was there was one night where some of my friends were actually robbed and pistol whipped at gunpoint. Uh, but you know they, we were making bad decisions. We were being they were they were being stupid at the time. And anyway, I remember when I was on my way out, my old man pulled me aside and he was like, you know, have a good time or whatever. Be careful. And if somebody makes a move for your wallet, just give it to him. It's not worth it, okay? It's not worth your life. Whatever you have in there, I'm sure it seems important now, but it's not. So just let them take it. And I, I, I was just—I couldn't help but think of that story when I, I think about how we're supposed to react around police. Is that the approach that we have to take to police now? We have to treat them like they're criminals, <laughs> like they're the criminals that they are. Like, yeah, I got a bullshit $100 ticket for failing to signal a right turn or I didn't come to a complete stop at a stop sign, but at least I escaped with my life. Have you ever seen some of those videos where people decide that they're going to mouth off to the police officer? Maybe they're not going to comply with a, I gave you a lawful order. <laughs> you better follow it or else. You ever seen what happens to those people? I mean, best case scenario, they get tased and arrested. <laughs> Spend the night in jail. I saw one a couple of weeks ago that this lady didn't want to sign the, the ticket because she thought it was an admission of guilt. And so she refused to sign the, the ticket. And, and then it just escalated. The, the officer just completely escalated it, started banging, out, uh, broke her window, yanked her out of the car, instead of just calmly explaining to her what the situation was and what her options were, he just goes immediately to brute force. I mean, how has this become a normal part of society, of our everyday lives? Is this the civilized society that all of these people are trying to protect with our tax dollars? This is part of the price we pay for the civilized society to have an armed, militarized gang of thugs prowling around our streets, abusing us whenever they get the chance, with no accountability, no repercussions whatsoever. I mean, what are we doing here? 
Uh, why, why are we accepting this? Because we keep seeing more and more videos. And now that, you know, with the advent of cell phones and all this technology, we keep seeing more and more of these videos of police just abusing people. And, and this latest instance with the UPS driver, I mean, just gunning him down without, without even thinking about it. Oh, we're just going to surround him and shoot the ever-loving shit out of anything that's in our way. Civilians be damned. And people always go right to police and fire when you talk about taxation and cutting government budgets. And there are all these bootlickers on the right who laud the police. Well, just laud them. It makes me wonder if they've ever had an encounter with these people. I mean, when you're driving along and you see a cop appear in your rearview mirror, what is your immediate reaction? Are you overcome with relief that your protectors, that these protectors of society are nearby and they're here to just protect and serve you? Or are you overwhelmed with panic and fear? Like, uh, uh, uh oh, uh, how, how fast was I going? Are my taillights both working? Are my tags up to date? Uh, how, much, how much have I had to drink today? Have I broken any of the other thousands of laws that I'm not even, uh, that I'm probably not even aware exist? I mean, you, uh, chances are your reaction is closer to the latter of those two scenarios, right? And that's how I feel. My heart starts racing. I start looking around for, for things that could po- they could possibly nab me for and start racking my brain for all of the, the potential problems that could arise from, from this cop being behind me or sitting there with his radar gun. Does that sound like a free person's reaction to you or the reaction of someone that's living in a police state? I can't really think of any time I've had an interaction with police that was pleasant. Even when I was the victim of a crime, I had my car broken into one night. This was probably uh, six or seven years ago now. And I must have just missed the guy because my buddy heard the car alarm go off and I was outside at the car maybe a minute later. And it wasn't even that late. It was like 10 o'clock at night or something like that, maybe 9.30. I went to bed early for some reason. And I woke up to my buddy saying, I think your car alarm's going off. So I ran down there and he was gone. Car was broken into. Did a ton of damage to the ignition. They like they didn't break the window, which was nice. He used uh, one of those tools to get the door open. But he was trying to steal the car. And he jacked up the ignition, which had a computer chip in it. And so the engine shut down as soon as he tried to do that, which is great. But he still did about $1,800 worth of damage to the ignition. Uh, so that was fun to get that repaired. But I figured, you know, what the hell? I'll call the police and file a report. Maybe they'll catch the guy. Maybe they'll do something. And so I got on the phone and some lady picked up. and We talked for about a minute and, and nothing. Not, not interested. Uh, they didn't send an officer over. They didn't fill out a report. They couldn't care any less. They literally did nothing. And they basically told me to go screw myself. That was the that was the extent of, of the police force that I got. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for your help, officer. For the tens of thousands of dollars they steal from me every year. Every year they steal from me. And that's the service I get. Thank you. The one time I actually need them to do something, I get absolutely nothing. I mean, 
I know a privatized police force is one of the many things that's hard for the vast majority of people to stomach. It's hard for them to envision a world where private companies could fill the role that our government police force does. And they worry about, you know, how the poor people are going to get protection if they can't afford it. And, well, first of all, poor people already aren't getting police protection. (laughs) Okay? Most police, especially here in Chicago, don't even bother going into the poor neighborhoods. Uh, they're, They're left to fend for themselves. The response time, if they come at all, can take hours. So they're all on their own. And Detroit, oh my God, Detroit, one of the fastest growing concealed carry areas in the country, I think, is Detroit. Because of all the crime in the area and the lack of policing and the response times. If they show up, it's hours later. So these people have decided to arm themselves so that they can defend themselves from all of the crime that's that's taking over Detroit now that it's basically a failed state. But poor people aren't getting police protection. And remember, police are under no obligation to protect you from a crime or from any harm or anything like that. The Supreme Court has ruled on this. I I know I've talked about this on previous episodes, so you'll have to go back and listen. But they do not have to protect you. Basically, all they do now is show up after a crime is committed and take some notes. (laughs) Okay? Your life is, is in danger. You go ahead and call the police. They'll be there just in time to draw a chalk outline around your body and write up a report what they think happened. And when they aren't doing that, they're harassing law-abiding citizens, shaking them down for money. When I, when I was driving back from my parents' place in Milwaukee a couple months ago, I saw no less than eight people getting pulled over on my way back. And it's only an hour and 45-minute drive. I saw at least eight people. I'm not exaggerating. The cops were camped out everywhere. Everywhere, just sitting around with their fucking radar guns looking to pick people off for driving too fast. That's, that's what they're concerned about. They always seem to have enough cops to write chicken shit tickets. Jaywalking tickets, speeding tickets, meter maids. There never seems to be a shortage of meter maids, is there? Anything that generates revenue for them. They always seem to find the manpower for that. But when it comes to fighting violent crimes especially in the poor neighborhoods, oh, we don't have the manpower for that. We can't be everywhere. We can't be everywhere. We're doing the best we can, (laughs) right? They they never seem to have enough manpower to protect the the poor people in the poor neighborhoods from all the gang violence. No, no. And Chicago's a great example of this, how they treat the rich people versus the poor people. I'm, I'm sure everyone listening has heard about how dangerous Chicago is how you know it there are areas of chicago that are more dangerous than iraq and afghanistan we have all these shootings all the time and we do we absolutely do every weekend there's 30 40 people shot but here's the thing chicago is is a pretty safe city as long as you stay away from certain neighborhoods you're in downtown chicago you're walking the magnificent mile down michigan avenue uh, you're not in any danger There's always a strong police presence around there. There are cops on almost every corner. There are cops walking around. There's police cars everywhere. Because that's where the money is. That's where all the tourists go. 
if you're in one of the nicer neighborhoods on the north side, same type of thing. Now, that isn't to say that there's no crime, but the vast majority of the violence you hear about is almost exclusively on the south and west sides, way, way out there, okay, where the poor people live. So the notion that uh, a private police force, that with a private police force, the poor wouldn't get any attention. Uh, First of all, they're already being ignored by the government police, unless, of course, they're being shaken down or illegally searched or maybe even raided by a SWAT team because they have, you know, some no-no substance in their house. They have an illegal plant, right? You know there are over 100 SWAT raids a day in the United States? Think about that. More than 100 a day. There's like over 50,000 a year of, of armed jackboot thugs breaking down doors, throwing flashbangs, shooting your dog, rummaging through your house. And this is an area where there's a lot of common ground between libertarians, people on the left, uh, people of color who have been suffering at the hands of of police and uh, have been at the forefront of this war on drugs for the last 40, 50 years, whatever it is. There is a lot of common ground there, but it just seems like the vast majority of people, they don't want to change the system at all. They don't want to get at the root of the problem. They just want to tinker around the edges or maybe just complain about it. Fuck the police, right? I hate the police. Everybody hates the police. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we shouldn't have a government monopoly on on policing. But then, oh, now you're you're being crazy. That's crazy. But the the fact is, like, there's no doubt that uh, these police are doing a terrible job. And this, this whole hostage shootout is just another example of a horribly trained police force making terrible decisions. But what are we going to do? They're the only one in town, right? They're, they're the only game in town, the government police. But the fact of the matter is there are numerous ways that a private police force could be utilized. And like everything else in the private sector, the cost would be lower, the quality would be higher, and they would be held accountable to their customers, like actually accountable. The idea that a lot of people have that these cops work for us it is hilariously misguided. They don't work for us, okay? They work for the government. They work for the people who are making the laws. We just get extorted to pay their salaries and their pensions for the rest of their lives. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead and try telling a cop that, no, 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 you can't do that to me. You work for me, okay? And see how I see how that goes for you. See if you don't get a, a baton up your ass for, for talking back to the cop, right? Spend the night in jail. You work for us. They don't work for us, but a privatized police force would, in fact, be working for us because we would be the paying customer. They would be held accountable just like every other business is held accountable by their customers, and you would be treated Far better, far better by a private company than you would a, something that has a government monopoly on it. I mean, think of how you're treated when you go to the DMV or when you, go, when you have to go through uh, TSA or uh, customs and stuff like that. Think of how you're treated there versus how you're treated at Starbucks 
or I don't know, like a restaurant or something like that where you go in and, and the, they're trying to impress their customers. Even just the parking situation tells you everything you need to know about how you're going to be treated at a government institution versus a private institution. In, in a government building, they have all these reserved parking spots for employees only. Oh, that's employee parking only. And it's always right in front. It's always right next to the building or right in front of it. That's reserved for our staff. Now, if, you, if you've ever worked in a store in the free market, a privately owned store, they reserve those good parking spots for their customers because they want to make it as easy as possible for their customers to come visit their business. They don't want any impediments there. So they make their employees park either all the way down at the other end of the parking lot or maybe behind the building. When I worked at a paint store, I had to park in the alley in the back. We couldn't park right in front of the store. That was for customers. The government knows that you have to deal with them, so they don't give a shit where you park. Uh, you can go park a block away. You don't have a choice. There's no other game in town. A lot of people have trouble envisioning how this would work and, and like who's going to pay for it, how are the poor are going to get service, and uh, what about all the free riders and people who don't want to pay for it and things like that. But if you really just sit down and think about it, it's not that far-fetched. Most businesses, most neighborhoods have businesses, restaurants, condos, apartment buildings, and it's in their best interest, uh, uh, those are the businesses and the owners of those businesses, the owners of the buildings, the residents, and, uh, and the insurance companies who insure the areas, who insure the buildings, who insure the businesses. It's all in their best interest for that place to be as safe as can be with no crime because nobody's going to want to live there if it's not safe. Nobody's going to want to shop there if it's not safe. Nobody's going to want to patronize that area if they feel like they're going to get mugged all the time, right? So all these businesses can pool their resources together and they can hire some security firm to provide protection for, the, for certain areas. Homeowners associations could basically do the same thing. They could have their own uh, security force. Insurance companies could have security guards in given areas as well. There are endless possibilities if you just use your imagination, you get a little creative, and you try some problem solving and free your mind from this statist mentality that all of our protection must be done by the government. Imagine being in a neighborhood and somebody attempts to commit or does commit a crime against you. Well, now, instead of the one government monopoly police force responding 30, 45 minutes later, you could have three or four private police forces from various uh, establishments in the neighborhood responding almost instantaneously. Like maybe you're on a street like the one I live on. It has a Walgreens on the corner, a string of bars and restaurants down the street, hair salons, there's a bank. It's all here. It's all within one block. They could, have, they could all have someone out there to respond and help you out. And it would be in their best interest to do so because they want customers to come patronize their businesses and they want their customers to feel safe. And not only that, but you would have agencies competing for your business, competing to be your security firm, bringing down costs, 
increase in quality, things that we always talk about on this program. They would be subject to market forces, and better yet, they would be accountable to you, and actually accountable. They wouldn't be essentially immune from criminal prosecution. They wouldn't, you know, police now, they're almost never fired. At best, they get paid leave. So they like they screw up, they get a paid vacation while their own police force investigates themselves. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath for that to turn out anything. You wouldn't have all these cops getting off with a slap on the wrist for choking people to death callously shooting your dog for no fucking reason, beating you half to death. There wouldn't be this incestuous relationship between the cops and the other wings of the government and the court system and the prison prison systems wouldn't be giving them cover. And when they did do something wrong and restitution was due, the companies would be the one, the private companies would be the ones that have to pay for it. Because what's going to happen now when these families of these two innocent people that were killed by the Miami Police Department inevitably sue the Miami Police Department, which they absolutely should, the chances are they're going to be rewarded a substantial settlement. And they should. They should. This was criminal what happened to them. This was gross negligence. This was a horrible policing effort. And the loved ones of of the deceased deserve compensation for their loss. There's no doubt about it. But what really happens when these police forces settle disputes? They have all these multi-million dollar payouts to families or the victims of their abuse. Where's all that money come from? Well, it comes from you and me. It comes from the taxpayers. We end up paying for their mistakes. The cops don't pay. The police force doesn't pay. They don't have any money of their own. They're funded through taxation. So a bunch of people who never did anything wrong end up paying for all this police abuse through higher taxes. The cops' budget ever get ever gets slashed? They ever lose funding? Of course not. If anything, they get more funding. The incentive structure is all screwed up. The higher the the more crime there is, the the larger their budget grows. Just like every government program, the incentives are completely misaligned, unlike with the the private sector where everything lines up perfectly. And like I said, they would be working for us because we would be the customers, we would be paying for their services, and we could always take our business elsewhere. So therefore, they would actually be doing things that we want them to do focusing where the customer demand is and not spending all of their time raping nonviolent law-abiding citizens for revenue. I mean, how much how are they supposed to know? How does a government police force know how much of the the force should be dedicated to detective and and solving murders and how much of it should be assigned to burglary and how much should be I, I don't know, whatever doing uh, rapes and, and things like that. They have no mechanism. They have no mechanism for feedback. There's nothing to tell them how many resources should be devoted to X versus Y, and they're doing all kinds of things that none of us want them to do. I mean, why, why do we put up with this? What about our society has allowed them to get away with this for so long? They just abuse the hell out of us left and right. I mean, raise your hand if you like getting speeding tickets. Raise your hand 
if you appreciate those cops that sit on the side of the highway hiding behind bushes with their radar gun waiting to to catch you doing 70 in a 65 or 70 in a 55 and writing you a $300 chicken shit ticket. A jaywalking ticket's out on the West Coast. Oh, you didn't walk in between our two lines. Here's a ticket. That's what we want them working on? Really? Or, or just gunning down people in broad daylight? These videos that you see of these cops just beating people, tasing people, Abu- completely abusing their power. There's no accountability whatsoever. Shooting people's dogs, like little innocent dogs. They just walk up, put a couple, put a couple rounds in the dog. Oh, I feared for my life. That 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 bullshit. Or and now they they pull you over and they pretend that they can smell weed, and so now they just get to violate every single one of your rights. Or spending hundreds of man hours trying to take down some massage parlor for giving guys handies in the back room, Robert Kraft for for getting a blowy. This is what we care about? Two consenting adults engaging in a sexual act? That's what we have the police for? To break that up? This is what we have them working on. And they're accountable to what? To who? Not to us. That's one of the biggest problems. And I mean, if monopolies are bad, and I think everyone is in agreement that they are. Left, right, center. Nobody likes monopolies, right? That's why all of these statists are in favor of the uh, antitrust laws to break up monopolies. You know, I hear Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren talking all the time. We've got to break up the, the big tech firms and the big banks and big oil, all this stuff, right? So the left hates monopolies. The right hates monopolies. Everybody hates monopolies. Then why? Why on earth would we want the state to have a monopoly on like the most important thing on our defense and our policing of society? It's just a prejudice that most people have to think that there has to be a government solution to this. You just assume that you have to have a state providing these services. You know, maybe you never thought about it before probably never came up as a thought experiment in one of the government schools that you were attending. Imagine that, that there could be an alternative to the way that we're organizing society, that there could be an alternative to the way that we police ourselves. Now, I I don't want to give the impression that privatizing policing would would mean that these types of incidents with uh, the UPS driver and, and people being abused that those types of incidents wouldn't happen. It's not a panacea. It's not going to be a utopia if we've just privatized police forces. There will still be problems. There will still be instances like this. But I, I do think that they would happen far less frequently. And when they did happen, there would be some accountability. That's the most important thing. There's a direct feedback mechanism. There's a, a, other... um businesses that we can we can patronize with our defense spending if we're not happy with the service that's being provided. And what I want you all to take away from incidents like this UPS hostage situation, instead of just getting angry at police, or maybe you're one of those people that comes to the defense of the police behavior, instead of that, just start thinking about the possibility of an alternative 
to the way we are handling this as a society. Just start thinking about it. Just start to question this whole policing thing. I don't expect to make an ANCAP of you overnight, but if an incident like this, where you just have people gunned down by 40, 50 police officers, doesn't at least get you to ask yourself rudimentary questions about the role of police in our society and maybe open your eyes to possible alternatives, I don't know what will. I mean, really, how much worse could private security be than what we have now? Or, you know, you could look at, look at what's going on in Hong Kong now. Those protests that we've talked about months ago, they're still raging on. And you can watch videos of all the atrocious things their government police force is doing to the people. In fact, I believe Hong Kong police terrorism is trending on Twitter. If it's not trending, it's at least a, a known hashtag. Hong Kong police terrorism. Okay, so go ahead and look that up. And you get to see how it's not just here. It's anywhere there is a government monopoly on these things. The citizens get treated very poorly. And you may be thinking of all sorts of objections and dystopian scenarios that may arise under a privatized police force. And I can assure you that not only have I heard them all before, but I too also had them at one point in time. I think what a lot of people fail to understand about libertarians is that we were all, once upon a time, a statist just like you. We had the same thoughts as you. We had the same fears, the same objections. And the more we looked into libertarian philosophy, the more we confronted our fears and objections, the more we were convinced that we were wrong. And that there was a better way. We have to deal with this all the time as libertarians. We put forth an idea and some statist thinks that his gut reaction, the first objection he has to the idea, is somehow unique. And that we never thought of that before. <laughs> like we haven't thought about it. Believe me, we have. Okay, we have. That's why it's so funny to us when we say things like taxation is theft and the first thing 90% of people say is, well, I guess you don't like having roads and police and fire departments. <laughs> These are running jokes in libertarian circles. Who will build the roads if we don't have taxes? They're jokes because everybody thinks they have some problem that we haven't thought of or that we haven't confronted, and they always think that they've got this gotcha moment when in reality... Those objections were the first things that we had to overcome on our path to libertarianism as well. We were all statists at one point. We all thought like you. And for some reason, we were all convinced by this alternative philosophy. So whatever your initial objection is, or your gut reaction to a privatized police force may be, realize that we all had the same thing. There are volumes of work on this subject, and maybe you should look into it a little bit. Don't be so quick to dismiss these ideas as crazy or absurd, because we all did that at one point. And then at some, at some point, we all just looked into it a little more. We said, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we didn't start with a privatized police force. It was probably a, it's, it's usually a gradual process, and we don't start with the most extreme things. Well, we don't need the government to provide roads. 
okay, if we don't need to, them to provide the roads, maybe we don't need them to have a monopoly on education either. And if we don't need them to have a monopoly on education, why, why are we giving them a monopoly on policing and national defense? And you just kind of progress toward that. And, and there's a ton, there's a ton of very interesting stuff to read out there on this, on these topics. Go read some Rothbard, go read some Hans Hermann Hoppe, or even Bob Murphy, one of my favorite economists, but he's much more than that. He's done a ton of work on this subject. He's got YouTube videos you can watch and articles dealing with all the common objections to private policing and privatized defense. Like the one thing that you're thinking about right now, when I say that we should have privatized defense, if I had to bet money on it, you're imagining a scenario where these different factions or warlords are taking uh, like take over society in the absence of government controlled monopoly on the police force and defense. And what's to stop me from hiring my privatized police force to just attack your privatized police force. I mean, go ahead, go ahead and tell me I'm wrong on that. Tell me that that's not one of the first fears that popped into your head and the first objection you would bring up to me on this topic. Well, if that's the case, you're in luck because Bob Murphy actually has an article literally titled, but wouldn't warlords take over <laughs> or something like that. It's a short article. It gets into the, the, the very basics of this idea. Just go ahead and Google it. You can read that and see if maybe he can alleviate some of your fears. But the point is, I just want you to take these instances where the state does something really bad, really atrocious, like shoots a couple innocent people for practically no reason, just because they're incompetent, and start to question why things are the way they are. And would they be better if maybe we did them a different way? Can we do them a different way? What would happen if we did this? What would happen if we did that? What are the pros and cons? Has anybody thought of this before? Is there anything I can read on this topic? It don't just go through life reacting to poor government actors and just complaining about it. <laughs> you know, free your mind from this prejudice that, 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 that's always telling you we have to have a government solution to this. Maybe there's an alternative out there. And if you can do that, if you can just start to change your train of thought, to start looking away from government solutions toward uh, voluntary solutions, then you're on the right path. And you're going to start to see the whole world in a new light. And it will be like you've been unplugged from the matrix. It's what we call being red-pilled in, in libertarian circles. So do me a favor, anytime you're unhappy with something the government is doing, don't just look to some other government party and be like, well, maybe the Democrats will do it better, or maybe the Republicans can do it better, or we just need to vote in the right person. Maybe government isn't the solution at all. And maybe Ronald Reagan was right about one thing, that government isn't the solution to your problem. Government is the problem. All right, so I'm going to wrap there. Guys, if you like the show today, do me a favor and share it with at least two of your friends. Don't forget to download and subscribe. Follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to support the show monetarily, go to pedalingfictionpodcast.com 
And if you can do all that, I will be back later this week with a brand new episode. Until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.